0: Issues. It's a podcast for women of color where we're talking about the issues we're dealing with on a daily basis. You guys, I am your host, Karen Davis Thompson, and we are coming up on the end of season one. I'm so excited. We have this episode and one more after that, and then we'll be uh, getting ready for season two. Uh, A lot of exciting things that we'll be bringing to you that we will kind of premiere next week. Uh, but for today I had sent out um on our Facebook page. And if you aren't following us on Facebook, you can find us at In My Shoes. Um on Facebook, we are um in dash my shoes eight on Instagram. You can find us there as well. Um, but I asked a question uh about what episodes people uh really like what resonated with them. And I had a few people who really felt a connection, uh, surprisingly to me. I guess, you know, I still wonder if really anybody wants to hear my voice and my story all the time, but uh, they really uh, were encouraged and resonated with the story when I talked about my daughter and um, haven't spoken about her since and just wanted to give you guys an update. Uh, So this is for all of the caregivers, moms, dads, um, you know, our show is about women. So for the moms and the caregivers out there who are um, dealing with a, a loved one who has a mental illness, Um, This is for you and for you to know that um, I still see you and I know you're not alone. Um, I wanted you to know that you're not alone. So, um, you know, I'll start by just talking a little bit about, you know, a few weeks ago, I know we all saw um, Kanye West as he began to spiral out of control and, you know, called his mama and mother-in-law kind of names and claimed that they were, you know, trying to just have him committed. And I mean, he just went off the deep end. I'm sure we all heard about that. You can read about it online. And I really felt for her uh, in that moment because I know what it is, uh, Kim Kardashian, that is his wife, I know what it is to love and want to help an adult who has a mental illness. Uh, Because in many states and in many places, you know, if they're not a danger to themselves or others, uh, you can't have them hospitalized. They're adults, so you cannot force them to take their medicine. You can't... um, really make them do anything you know Um, a lot of people with the mental illness are not uh, incompetent and so you can't have them declared incompetent to be their legal guardian Um, and I don't know enough about that I know I'm uncomfortable being her legal guardian because I never know what she's going to do and I don't want to be liable for any of it and so I really felt for her Um, I could really relate to what it must be like Um, And so it's been, um, it's been an up and down few months with her. Um, She um, has kind of had me all over the place, (laughs) y'all. So just real quick, she um, got really sick, didn't want to take her medicine. We ended up having to have her hospitalized so that she could get the treatment she needed. The doctor was able to do that. We um, had taken her to the doctor, and uh, she was on an antibiotic, and she was supposed to take that every day. Um, This was during a time when she was uh, with this boy that I've spoken of before who's much older, and so um, she was kind of living with him wherever, and um, I had to pick her up. I took her to the doctor, and we got her the medicine, and I had to buy a little prepaid phone because I needed to be able to reach her to try and encourage her to take her medicine, right? So uh got a little prepaid phone, got the medicine, you know, filled and, um, you know, dropped it back off and called every day. You know, the pills were big. She didn't want to take them. So fast forward about a few, few days past. They have it out. She's called the police on him. Now they're calling me to see if I don't mind picking her up, whatever. So we get her situated somewhere. I see the pill bottle and she's taken maybe two pills um, from a bottle of uh, antibiotics that she should have been taking twice a day for 10 days. And we were at about day five or six. So the bottle should have been half empty. And instead it was more than half full. So, um, she's erratic. She hasn't been taking her meds. Um, anyway, we get to the doctor. They see that she's acting erratically. She's not taking her medicine. We get her in the hospital. We get all that taken care of. So now I have a decision to make. She's now legally an adult. If they release her and I take custody of her, then it releases the state from any responsibility of finding assistance for her. And for all of you who aren't living this life, when you have a child with this form of disability, it's important, and I think I've said this before, that they look as um, independent as possible on paper because that's the only way they can get the assistance from the state. If you are maintaining, no matter how stressful it is for you, if you're maintaining them if you're taking care of them they wash their hands of it Uh, and they tried a few strong arm tactics you know oh well you know she only gets a disability check which means any type of housing we find for her won't be the best you know and all of that is to try to guilt trip me into getting her um which if you know me you know that didn't work right so I basically said yeah you do whatever you need to do I totally get it um I did find out about a program that she qualified for that she wasn't even mentioning to me. So I asked her about it. Is there a reason why we haven't filled out paperwork for this? Well, you know, I could do that. Well, how about you do that? Um, And part of it was that it's quite a bit of paperwork and she just didn't want to do it. And it was easier if she could just get me to agree to have them release her into my custody, which I refused to do. Long story short, they did find a, a temporary place for her to go. It was supposed to lead to a program that would be more permanent. They didn't have space. And so to keep her from being on the street, she was by then, you know, back in her medicine. She seemed to be trying to do better. We, um, along, you know, we used the disability check that she gets and then added to it to find, you know, like an extended stay hotel for her to go to. Um, And we did that for almost two months. It's not the cheapest thing because it's still a hotel, even though it's extended day. It was still quite a bit of money, but she seemed to be trying. And I wanted to acknowledge that um, we did have some bumps while we were there. Um, you know, my daughter tends to be able to find the negative energy in any situation she's in. So, um, you know, had a couple of people over that. Uh, I thought it was weird. I was actually in the middle of a podcast interview and she started texting me about um, having this friend come over that she met at the hotel. I thought that was kind of weird. And so my sister who lives right up the street from where the hotel is, I do too, but my sister almost lives in walking distance. And so she said, hey, I can go up there. They had been there the night before and you could tell they had left you know, uh, food wrappers. You could tell from whatever they were smoking was there. And so when they got ready to return, Um, the next day, you know, they were on their way there when my, when my daughter called me with that, um, oh, it's she, she's staying here too. And she's just like me. And it was very, very weird. Um, so, um, she didn't want to, um, I'm sorry, y'all, I'm actually getting a text about my daughter as I'm doing this interview. It never ends when you have a special needs child. Um, Somebody's trying to check on her for me anyway. So my sister was there and when they um, arrived to visit, the look on their face, one of them was the person we knew and the look on their face, you could tell that they were not expecting to see uh, my sister there. So they just kept going and the girl in the group tried to, you know, laugh it off or whatever. Oh, we'll give y'all some time to visit. We'll just come back later. Um, Don't know who these people were. Um, I actually got a call from the hotel manager. Uh, they were very nice to her. He called me up and said that he was concerned about these two guys that had checked in, that she was kind of hanging out with, that they, um, he felt like they worked in no good, but he couldn't quite put his finger on it. And he, he actually called me up. Um, and so they really looked out for her while she was there. And uh, we finally got a, a living situation for her that gives her the independence that she wants but it is not the independence that she needs um and so you know we had established we started practicing at the hotel that she would facetime me every day in the morning so I could watch her take her medicine and she did it really well while we're at the hotel and for about a week while she's in the you know the housing that she's in now and after that she um if I didn't call and check then she would um she wouldn't call and um, so now we're at a point where she's not calling for me to make sure she takes her medicine. Um, I go weekly to check on her, make sure she has food. Um, and this last Sunday when I went by, you could tell that she was talking about a minute. Um, and even in her text messages, she can be talking to you about one thing and she goes from that to the next. Um, there is a level of social and emotional maturity that I was hoping she would reach that we haven't gotten to. And there are days when I really lose hope that we will ever get there. Um, You know, she's still at a point where if things don't go her way, it's my fault. I always know when she's off of her medicine regime because we go to cussing me out, which, funnily enough, we started doing um, earlier today before I started taping this episode. So we're back to FU and all of that. Um, You know, everything is my fault when things don't go her way she tends to apply for jobs just like she doesn't have anything else to do. She just applies for them to be applying. Um, And it's hard for me when she does it because, as you know, she does receive uh, disability assistance. And when you work, they reduce the amount of your disability. And the problem with that is if my daughter has $20, she is spending $25. So when the disability check, which I um, have access to to pay her bills, when that is reduced, then there is less for me to use to take care of her. Um, she seems to think that I'm hiding the money from her, even when I can be very specific about what it was used for. And so there is no more money. So now all of the money you're getting, the food you're eating, all of that's coming from your dad and I. Um, and so she works and gets money. And I'll give you an example. So she has um, a short natural and it's really cute. She is always wanting it to be longer, wants weave, wig, braids, whatever. Her hair is not in the best of shape because I can't get her to take care of it the way she needs to. And so she goes and gets these ridiculous hairstyles um, and then decides she doesn't like it. And within an hour of paying 70 bucks for somebody to glue in some hair, she's now pulling it out. Literally in an hour. That was $70 out of her little check, which was maybe a hundred and something bucks, right? Then the next week we try a new hairstyle and then a day we don't like it. That one was 80 bucks, right? Cause so she got paid every week while she had a little job. Um, and so then we take it out. So we're making money that we really need to be using to really take care of ourselves, right? Because now you've got less disability coming in. And instead she um, is spending it on hairstyles and, you know, that part of the brain where, okay, I'm going to let this happen to me again. You know, I'm going to do better so that I'll have money. that She doesn't have that at all. Not at all. And, um, you know, then when she wants things that I refuse to buy for her because you you got a job. If you're working, there's less money for your bills, which means I need to be paying attention to that. So the little whims that you want, the little snacks you want to get, you need to take care of that. Um, and when I refuse, then the anger ensues. And so she had been able to kind of keep that at bay to some degree while she was taking her medicine. My hope was that if she was taking her medicine regularly, that she would be better able to um think clearly and make better decisions. And that has not happened. Um It did allow her not to get so angry so quickly and be so explosive. It did help with that. But it did not um, make her decision making any better. And, um, you know, she had the little job, you know, she worked for a really long time through the vocational rehab program, which if you guys um, are in Florida, I don't know about other states, but we have a vocational rehab program here, which assists Uh, those with disabilities who want to work and finding work and working in a way that it does not impact whatever benefits they're receiving. And she was really successful at a a place that had hired her uh, until she started with this boyfriend and listening to him, she stopped going to work. And so then um, when she was back in our care again, and she applied for a job at this fast food restaurant, she got it. So we go out again, we buy, you know, pants, all that type of stuff. Now it's COVID, so I'm in the mall with a mask on, trying to hurry up and get out of there as fast as I can. She did not disclose that she had a disability, and I said to her, you need to tell these people that you have a disability. You can't work more than a certain number of hours a week. If you do, it's going to mess with your disability. And while she can be capable, because she does have a mood disorder, if we don't feel like going to work, we're not going. And so she can have a job, but not keep it long. And so after training, they loaded her down with almost like right under what would be considered full time, which is more hours than she can work in a week. So I had to go into the store and let them know this girl has a disability. She can only work this many hours a week. So, of course, that's not what they were hoping for. So they kept her on for a few weeks, you know, reduced her hours and then slowly gave her fewer and fewer until she wasn't on the schedule anymore. Um, You know, I'm trying to encourage you to go back through vocational rehab because when you go through vocational rehab, they already know the deal. And you get a job coach who follows you for at least 90 days to make sure that um, you're successful. And even if they close out your case, if you have some reoccurring issues, they can reopen it to assist you. They can help if you need assistance getting to work because the government, quite frankly, they want you to work so they can reduce that check. Right. So they try to make it as easy as possible. Um, can't get her to go back through vocational rehab, but she fills out job applications like it's a hobby. And a few days ago, she called me or texted me. She very rarely calls. She texts me all excited because she got another job. And so then I get the, um, well before, before that. So she tells me that she has the job. And then right after that, can I get $10 please? And I have made a commitment to myself this month that unless it's a dire emergency, I'm not giving her cash money. I will bring food to her. If there's something that needs to be purchased, I will buy it, but I'm not giving her money because she rarely uses it for what she says she's going to use it for. And a lot of times, you know, she buys junk. She will eat junk all day long if you let her. And so I said to her, "I don't have any money." She wanted ten dollars to go to the mobile, um, and that's a gas station. You spend ten dollars in a gas station, like what for real? So no. So she got very upset. And you don't need to bring me my medicine and I don't need to do this and that. So I said, not a problem. That's what you want to do. So then, uh, you know, I can't, I might as well work full time when I get this new job, because at least I'll know I can't get no money. And so I said to her, you know, it appears that all I am for you is a bank. You know, you don't call to say, how are you, mommy? You don't call to say, can I come over? You just want from me. And so she got very angry and told me, you know, I said what I said and that's it. And so I explained to her that here's where your money went and there wasn't even enough to cover all of your bills because you were working at the time and I had to report that. So the bills that it did not cover, your dad and I paid. So there's no more money. If you choose to work full time and you lose this check, that is certainly your right. But understand me, if that happens, you need to pay all your bills, including your rent, out of whatever money you get from your job. Now that's what I said. Case closed, and you have a nice day, because she had told me you have a great day. So about an hour later, I get a text, mommy, like nothing happened. Oh, they call me about orientation, and I need uh, khaki pants and, and black shirt and black pants. I can't tell you how many pairs of black and khaki pants I've purchased for work, and a blue shirt or a yellow shirt with like a button, you know, button. And uh, I didn't respond because I have no intention of buying this stuff. Um, I'm not doing it. And then um, she did apologize and then immediately said, but you don't have to give me any money. I just wanted chips. You could just get me, you know, some bags of chips. Um, And then later that day, can I just get $5 to get chips, please? So, you know, she apologized and claimed she understood where I was coming from and then immediately went right back into the ask. And when I don't give in, Um, I'm all manner of names. And so today she's upset because some information she needs for orientation. I told her that um, I told her where to go to get the information I had left it for her. And, um, you know, they have transportation for people with disabilities. It does cost. And, of course, I, I pay that cost. And I gave her the tickets that she needed for this transportation. told her, schedule a trip. Here's where the packet will be for what you need for orientation. You just need to go up there and get it. And of course, she didn't do that. Well, why can't you just bring it to me? Because I told you what you needed to do to get it. And now if you're not going to do that, you got a problem. And so what the F? So then, of course, now we start cussing me out and she's calling me 15, 20 times while I'm on a call for work. And I said, I'm working. I don't care. You don't care. I don't care. And so now we're cussing me out again and all of that. Um, That was a few hours ago. Have not heard from her since. Uh, The call I got or the text I got while I was in the middle of this episode was from a wonderful counselor who actually she's not even technically on this woman's caseload. But she feels um, a connection with my daughter, um, wants to see her succeed. And so she is willing to work with us. And so sometimes she's willing to listen to others when she won't listen to mommy. And of course, some of that has nothing to do with a disability, right? At 19, 18, 19, you know. You figured your mama don't know nothing anyway. So some of that isn't the disability. It's just, you know, the parent-daughter relationship at the stage and age she is right now. And so she is uh, going out to check on her for me, see if maybe she can kind of talk some sense into her, see where, where she's at. um, And so that's kind of where I am right now. It is, um, it's a rough, It, it, it it's a rough, whew it is it's just rough um because it's it's a very it's it's a difficult road um she wants to be grown but she can't handle it you know she is trying to get um you know there's another uh, person who's working with her they filled out an application for some assistance today and the next step is an interview And they call to speak to her and because she doesn't want to answer their questions and get frustrated, gets frustrated, she hangs up and now she's angry because she's not going to get whatever this assistance was she's trying to get. Well, you can't hang up the phone. So, of course, I am supposed to take care of that. Right. You need this information for your orientation. I make a way for you to get it, but because it requires work on your part, you don't want to do that. And now I'm purposely doing this so that you can't get this job. No, but you you want to be an adult, This is what it means to be an adult. Um, And it's tough. It's hard for people to understand because while she does have a disability, she does know right from wrong. Um, You know, I was talking to a friend of mine and I equated it to, you know, you take a 12-year-old or a 10-year-old. They know right from wrong. They still do really immature things because they're 12, because they're 10, right? And that's what this is like. She knows right from wrong, but she still does stuff that, It's like, really, why would you do that? Because she does have a disability. Uh, But at the same time, I am doing her and myself a disservice if I cave to her every whim simply because of that. What am I teaching her? Because, again, you have to remember, this is not your typical young adult that I'm dealing with. And um, so that's 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 the update. We are uh, in a tough spot right now. Um, it ebbs and flows. If you know anything about dealing with somebody with a mental illness, they have really great stretches and then they have really, really intense lows. And for the caregiver, the the parent, it's a roller coaster ride and you're always on edge because as good as the good times are, the bad times are always just around the bend. And You can't ever relax. You can't ever say, oh, wow, we got it, because that may not be the case. Uh, What my daughter really needs is to be in a facility where there is some level of independence, but also somebody there to make sure she takes her medicine, make sure she takes care of herself. And she is not interested in that. She wants you to do what she wants you to do when she wants you to do it. And she is not above lying or manipulation to make that happen. And I have made a commitment to me uh, for my own well-being that while I will never say that I won't be there for her, I also have to show up for me. Um, and I promised myself that I wouldn't get emotional doing this. But it's difficult not to. So for those of you who are living the life I'm living, I want you to promise me that you will always make sure that you take some time for you. I have call blocked my daughter (laughs) so that when she calls me, it goes straight to voicemail for my own emotional health because uh as my mother reminded me she has her number she has my father's number she has her dad's number she has my sister's numbers and so if she's really in distress she can reach somebody right so promise me that you will do what you have to do for you because I, I I can't be there for her if I'm an absolute emotional wreck. I can't be there for my son or for my husband. I have a right to a good life. I have a right to be happy. I have a right to spend my money on me. I have a right to say, you know what? I'm not doing this with you today. I'm just not. And I shouldn't have to apologize. I shouldn't have to feel bad. I shouldn't have to... I shouldn't have to explain it. I shouldn't have to justify it because I have a right um, to be happy too. And I have a right to a moment of peace and quiet. I I have a right to that. And so do you, you know, if you're the mother, the caregiver of somebody with the mental illness, you have a right. I am giving you, and I think I've done this the last time we talked about this and I'm going to do it again. I'm giving you permission to say today, I'm just not doing this. I'm just not today. I'm not. For the next hour, for the next 24 hours, for the next week, whatever it is, I'm just not doing this with you sis. I'm just not doing it. Um, I'm going to take some time for me because if I don't, I'm ultimately not going to be any good to the person I'm trying to help. Cause I won't be able to think clearly. Um, I won't be able to, you know, be at my best. And so I'm giving you permission. I'm giving myself permission and I'm giving you permission to say, whenever you need that break, take it. Um, Because if you don't, you know, your body's going to take it. Your your body's going to say, okay, you don't have a sense to do this. Then I'm going to do it for you. And you don't want to get to that space. Um, You know, I try to start my days in the morning with a walk where I can pray, listen to a podcast, whatever I want to do to give me a few moments. If, you know, there are days there are days when I've dealt with her and it's all I can do to just get into bed because it is an emotional suck. Right. It is an emotional drain. And so on the days that that's what I need to do, then that's what I do. Um, And so I'm just. Asking that you do the same, you know, so if you know somebody that's is going through this, just call them up, ask how you can help. Are they OK? People often ask how she's doing. Um, but I appreciate it when they also ask about how I'm doing, because it isn't just the person with the illness that's going through this. It's the people around them who are trying their best to help, you know, and she's really at an age where she thinks that she knows what a friend is and she really doesn't. And she's choosing to listen to people who don't really have her best interest at heart. And that's hard for me because I am her mother and I don't want to see her suffer and I want her to succeed. And she doesn't see that, you know, I'm just a barrier to what she wants or I'm the bank. I am the person who is supposed to make it all better. If she wants chips, I'm supposed to buy them. If she wants $10 to go to McDonald's, never mind. I just brought you food. I'm supposed to give it to her. If she needs me to drop something off, why should she have to exert any energy to get it? I'm just supposed to bring it to her. And that can be, that can be hurtful. You know, you don't see me as mommy in terms of, you know, somebody who, who's yes, I'm there to support her, but I'm not here just to give you what you want when you want it. And that's it. And that's kind of the cadence that we're in right now. Well, that's it. That's all the time we have for today. Um, thank you for giving me this opportunity to give the update, um, and to uh, it was cathartic. It was a little bit more going on in there than I realized, so I needed to get that out. And so I appreciate you guys for listening. If you um, are walking this journey and you think that you're all by yourself and you need a sounding board, you can always email me at kdt at inmyshoestoday com. Again, that is kdt at inmyshoestoday dot com. Um, you know, I started this as a blog, and I have met some wonderful women who said that they could really resonate with my story. It was like uh, telling the story of their own uh, loved one. And so we'd be happy to add you to that group uh, of warrior women who are making this thing do what it do, um, considering what we're working with and what we're dealing with. Um, So next week will be the last episode in season one. Excited about that. We will have a few guests who'll talk to us about episodes that resonated with them. We'll do a look back. And give you a bit of a tease of what you can expect in season two. So I hope you'll join me for that next week. And until then, be blessed.